Welcome to Understanding VC. Today my guest is Swapna Gupta. Swapna is a director at Qualcomm Ventures India, the venture capital investment arm of Qualcomm. She has led and manages investments in companies such as Locus, Saddle, Shadowfax, NinjaCart, Stellabs, MoveInSync and Revry among others. Prior to joining Qualcomm, she was part of the investment banking team at Ernst & Young India, where she concentrated on private equity and M&A of technology and telecom companies. Now let's talk to her. So hi Swapna, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. Hi Rahul, good to be connected. Let's start with your background. Like where did you grow up and what were your interests growing up? Yeah, I I think uh, I always tell this to people. My story is of an average middle class Indian of a three idiot story, right? I grew up in Kolkata. It was a good good place to grow up. Lot of culture, lot of rich heritage. Post which I did my engineering and my MBA. Growing up years was fun because India was very different from today. It wasn't a tech first world, but it was more of books first world. So I think that was the India I grew up in. And I think as I was growing up, I grew up in mostly a family which was surrounded by business. business people i have a marwadi which means i had all the time conversation in the house was about building business about working capital about risk management why my father was in a government service so i think this way it was a good sort of a mix of learning lot of hard work and sincerity out of my father but learning lot of business wisdom which helps me today in my startup world from the rest of the extended family so yeah that was good fun growing up okay uh, i mean did you try any business yet no no not yet and and i think it it's much much harder once you move to the darker side of vc because i think the number of casualties that you see every day also makes you ascertain that not everything which is celebrated in the papers is real right there is so much happening under the water so as a vc i think you're much more skeptic than rest of the world or exuberance around you so not yet but of course of course sometime some day maybe we will see yeah I mean, uh, no matter how hard it is, some people enjoy that. I do that. So, <laughs> and once you tend to like that, uh, then you can't really go back. You always want to do something. <laughs> I think, yeah. like most of your relatives. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So then, how did you end up becoming a VC? So, so, so to be honest, it was absolutely a serendipity. When I passed out of my business school, like every other starry-eyed kid, I wanted to be an investment banker, investment banker for the rest of my life. The unfortunate news is I passed out in two thousand nine, and the whole world was collapsing. So then I said, "Look, let me let me reevaluate my options." And I did corporate finance for a while. Of course, my first love did not fade away, and I found my way back into investment banking world. I did investment banking for two three years, but somewhere along that journey, I think it started gnawing. When you realize that you're always cheering not even from the sidelines you're cheering somewhere from between a transaction to next transaction and then you have no idea what happened to that company also sometimes you're selling stories you don't believe in there is less gut and more numbers play at that point of time you're really hearing what people want you're saying what people want to hear and you're saying things which people want to believe in right so that didn't feel honest so for a very serious while actually about a year i I had my midlife crisis very very early in my life. I evaluated impact investing, education sector, but then wisdom prevailed. I spoke to a lot of people, and they said, "Look, even Ola is impact, right? You're creating life good for so many drivers." And that's how, in one of those conversations, I happened to meet a person who was leading Qualcomm Ventures in India. He said, 
look you understand finance you understand tech there is no reason you should not be doing this and it just happened so i i'm glad that conversation happened and i'm doing what i'm doing today what is the investment thesis of qualcom in india qualcom ventures thesis in india is very similar to what we do globally uh, everyone knows us to be qualcom that snapdragon premium brand which is inside your smartphone in, uh, today i would like to say that you can't take your next trip had you, if you don't have qualcom because you need to have google maps or uber on your phone right so i think we are really the intelligence behind everything which is moving around the world today and that is what qualcom ventures believes in and thesis is that let's pave and build technology which is going to change your world in next 10 to 20 years so not believing in really step function but really incremental changes in a way of hockey stick which could change the way the world is right so if you look at 10 years back there was smartphones happened and then internet went all over the roof right and the smartphone happened because of uh, because of qualcom and few other chipset manufacturers now again we are at a cusp where people are talking about metaverse etc but none of that is not possible if there is a hardware layer below it right so again we would power some of this hardware layer again people talk about data as the new oil now data is only possible to be generated if there is something where it can be generated or something which can really pick it up right and those can be only enabled by hardware hardware resources and those are the things which will power but really the thought process is in next 10 years how is the world changing and how are we gearing up the world to change be it autonomous cars be it flying cars be it robots be it anything which will really change the way our lives are today okay how do you differentiate from other corporate uh, vcs i would say i don't want to say differentiate from other corporate vcs but i would say that why would any startup really partner with us right why should they think because we are not the corporate development arm of qualcom our intent we have really two goals one is make returns every vc wants to make money at the end of the day and second is while making that money can we bring a shift change in the trajectory of that startup and that is only possible if my money is smart enough so if for example i invest in a services company i don't think i can add any value at all right whereas if you are working on an autonomous car i can actually get you to talk to my auto business unit and maybe make shrink your roadmap from 2 years to 1 year right so i think that is where corporate as a corporate venture the intent is to make money but the intent is also to handhold the startup to a place where we can really bring significant change in their journey or trajectory some way yeah so corporate vcs generally have a very bad reputation right at least i, I mean i don't have any experience but uh, i hear you know a lot of other vcs talk about it like fred wilson or this uh, y combinator founder <laughs> yeah you should you should talk tell them to talk to founders who have taken corporate vc money and why do they take corporate vc money right if it, the reason i have seen especially today right if you talk to any startup they will have a 100 million round size and they'll probably take it from one lead but they'll always leave that 5 to 10 million from a corporate vc for the smart money part because the fact of the matter is today money is available aplenty yeah. you can get money from anywhere money is the same color what you really want is valuable partners in your journey and in any startup journey i believe corporate vc do make a lot of difference i think the profession was slightly i would say like you're saying people do talk about that corporate vcs are not looked up maybe from the past biases that sometimes corporate development team and ventures group are in close tandem are you investing are you acquiring are you just learning from us but if it's pure play ventures unit like we have at qualcom ventures but the intent is to make money i think there is no mismatch of expectations right there is very very clear why we are putting money and why you want our money yeah so there is as good as any large marquee fund money 
I would say better because we are helping you in your journey. Yeah. And and I've already mentioned in another interview that, you know, uh, so people don't realize that we are in this to make returns and, you know, not to be like to get to acquire or for any other reason. So uh, I think a lot of people, uh, maybe it's not clear for a, it's not communicated well, clearly. to people so i've been you know studying portfolio construction model <laughs> very recently so uh, could you talk about portfolio construction model of like uh, qualcom uh, in india so when when i say portfolio construction i think uh, every vc has a certain thesis they work with right and you will see sector focused vcs people doing fintech people doing edtech people doing agritech i think at qualcom ventures we say look sector agnostic anything which can use technology to transform the way it is today and in next 10 years we are we are going to sit up and take notice of why didn't we think it of before we want to invest so very very sector agnostic and that is portfolio construction the second is again very very agnostic whether it is um, i would say consumer or enterprise again can we bring impact in your life right okay. so it could be as simple as a Xiaomi phone or a Fitbit for consumer, or it could be IoT for manufacturing setups. It could be delivery drones for logistics, right? So again, sector agnostic, customer who is the customer and customer agnostic. But can I bring a change in the way the world is in some sense, right? Uh, the third piece we really look at is what is the underlying technology. Uh, I am not too first on uh, like other funds saying that look, we do only AI investment, we do IoT investment. We say anyway the technology, and I think it's becoming also more and more. The gap is sort of becoming more closer and closer. Like if you talk about metaverse, I think metaverse is this whole portfolio of somewhere gaming is coming in, somewhere web three is coming in. So I think nothing is different from the other, and there is no way of saying that I do only this. So anything which uses technology which will change things, and some people call it deep tech, some people call it frontier tech, but anything which is using those underlying technologies. We'll be able to enable and support you. Then we'll partner with you. Okay. So why not also focus on hardware startups since you so, guys? So are... so we do a lot of hardware. Actually, you'll be surprised, right? So if I look at some of our latest investment, we did a company called Boat Wearables, which is India's first sort of hardware experiment in some sense of building a local brand of wearables and hairables, and now it's getting into many many other categories. uh we were the first investors in map my india which is many many years back about 25 years back the company started we invested in 2008 and the thesis was can we use uh, devices to map whole of india and can we play build a group google alike in india right so we really were focused on hardware we have done the first indigenous drone from india called idea forge so uh, i i would actually argue that our focus is really very focused on hardware But the question really is: Can you build scalable hardware companies from India, and can we add value in your journey? We would definitely like to partner with you. Okay, I'm curious. Magma India went just just went public, right? Uh, so they started in 2008. It, it, I'm they started assuming. in 1995. Yeah, 25 years back. My God. Okay, <laughs> how did they survive until now? Uh, so <laughs> it's like a Google Maps equivalent, or? It is. It is. In some way, they uh, they own the most of the map, local map data in India. Okay. And far more richer. Okay. So, uh, how do you make money? Like, why would somebody? So, make- so um, their model is more enterprise, where they work with all large enterprises and get them to use local licenses of the maps. And they have other few other ways of monetizing, but the biggest monetization for them is the maps they have built and the and the IP they own there. Okay. What are some of the challenges faced by corporate venture firms in India? 
and also like why aren't like airtel or maybe state bank of india not uh, starting a when corporate venture fund you see that in uh, indonesia right there's this mandiri capital i think it's uh, by the largest bank in indonesia and then you have uh, mdi ventures which is corporate vc for uh, arm of the largest telecom operator so very interesting question and i would love to fix for that so uh, i'll answer it in two parts qualcom ventures is 20 years old brand so it is the thought process first that when we started we knew that we had to build a strong legacy and build a venture capital which which emulates a financial vc but also has the advantages of being part of a corporate right so it's not an overnight thought process it's not a board meeting process that oh let's do venture and we start venture investing right which means there is a dedicated team of 30 professionals whose day in day out job is to do venture right and it has nothing to do with anything else at qualcom so that is one way and i think when we look at most other corporates especially in india i think it's the same question why don't we see indian corporates doing mna i think it's just a mindset mindset thing right that when you dedicate you need to dedicate resources energy and focus to build a long lasting legacy and an institution right a uh, lot of people do have corporate development arms like i say and they say we do venture so they will do one or two things or odd, odd here and there try to acquire but if you are able to build an institutionalized thing for example like we have at qualcom ventures microsoft has an m12 i think it's just easier to establish a brand and build and then invest in company i think the biggest challenge is what you were doing earlier right where you said corporate venture capital has a bad name i think i think that whole prejudice that why should we work with corporate venture capital because of some past experiences with some other firms people don't understand the value of true vcs who are there and who have a proper cvc unit built in place yeah so you mentioned this entrepreneurs tend to overestimate the power of resources sometimes all that is needed is perseverance and passion so could you share an example of uh, somebody uh, who has like overestimated the power of resources and in one other instance where you definitely needed resources to succeed so i think this is a very popular saying and i'm not saying i'm not claiming that i am the originator of it but people say right startups die of indigestion more than hunger right so the problem is that sometimes uh, and, and I, i am i i'm actually seeing this in 2021 2021 we have seen lot of pre product market fit companies get overfunded right and my worry and concern is that they have all the resources in the world they have lot of money but they don't have a product market fit which means they'll keep burning money to find it and by the time they are at a place where they need to raise next round they will not have many proof points and they will not know how to justify the past right so that is where i think they feel that they need the money in the bank but at that point of time all they need is actually get the first and customers who understand and believe the product yeah so for sure <laughs> i think when you're starting out before product market fit it's always better had to have no money because then you would figure out uh, clever ways to even find product market fit even to grow a little bit but can i say that pre product market fit uh, it's always better to have less money and then when you really uh, have found the product market fit you would want your you know war chest to grow fast than everyone else or are there exceptions for uh, you know either of those cases so i think every market is different right there was a time when people would say an enterprise successful business could be built in 50 million dollars today that's not true right because the market has changed it has become competitive and it has become competitive because you have to pay higher salaries you have to fight in the market digital marketing costs have increased right 
but also where you see for example if you take 2014 15 food tech startup was right everyone got over funded everyone did lot of digital marketing they got a lot of new customers but i think no one built the business fundamentally enough to retain those customers right so in some ways you got money you had all the resources at disposal but did you build a lasting business is a question mark and sometimes i feel necessity is the mother of invention for example i'll give you an example of a company called shadow facts it was born in the era of hyper local wars 2014 15 there was bloodbath in the market a uh, lot of hyper funded companies guys died and these guys had less or no capital at least at the least right and they are the only ones who survived today because they had nothing they actually figured out a way to persevere find a way to bootstrap find a way to do working capital work for them right so i feel sometimes it's also important that you don't overestimate that once i have resources i can do it versus think about other ways to also sort of solve a problem yes yes for sure um but uh, like once you've already reached a product market fit uh, is there a scenario where you still would want to you would advise a startup to grow without funds so look we all all tell our startups this right you should take the money when it's available but also that does not mean that you don't know how to use it properly you can always keep it in the bank forever in some sense if you don't need it but sometimes i feel that most startups are under the impression be it series b or series c that if i have the money i can solve for problems the fact is that money doesn't solve for all your problems okay the other thing is people ramp up their team for example right today i'm 10 and then i become 100 but 10 to 100 doesn't really mean that you can scale in a similar pattern right you need to think about how you're scaling versus just following what the rest of the market is doing yeah that is a mistake that most entrepreneurs make do <laughs> you end up having to do layoffs and stuff yeah so uh, this is a like a joke now uh, that you know uh, uh, faster delivery 10 minutes delivery 5 minutes delivery whatever uh, what is the you know why are fees funding these startups and then there must be some technical problem or efficiency that they are trying to achieve right so we are we, we invest a lot in logistics and supply chain uh, what we have realized in india supply chain is the bottleneck right anybody who can fix that problem does tend to be a winner because that is the biggest problem that uh, for example when e-commerce started right people thought why do i even need e-commerce right because nobody had tasted blood in some sense that i could get things at home now if you tell people to go walk out even to pharmacy store people think oh my god why do i even need to do that right just so habits have changed now that habits have changed the infrastructure needs to be ready <laughs> to accommodate that habit change right which means even if i'm at office or at home or wherever if i'm used to clicking a press of button and now i have high bandwidth and good data and a best best in class phone i and i have money in bank and the best payment infrastructure i should be able to be gratified and now i when my when i make those orders and if it takes 2 hours my gratification is zero right so that gratification is what everyone is working towards and anybody who is able to do it in a cost efficient manner and with sustainable unit economics will definitely win this okay is that even possible like 15 minutes delivery given the 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 other basic infrastructure we have in place so i think that has to be played smartly right you can't promise millions of pin codes you decide which pin codes who needs that 10 minute delivery who needs that 15 there are pin codes there are parts of india which do not want that 15 20 minute delivery while there is an urban india which is going to office and needs that coffee in 10 minutes right so you need to pick and choose where you want to build those companies and i think there will be a market for uh, that sort of audience as well yeah 
you've invested in a lot of logistics and supply chain startups you know why why the special interest in logistics and supply chain because it's it's built on the basic premise of law, location right location as a data if i have the right location data and if i'm optimized able to optimize the best route possible i am able to bring the best cost efficiency and the problem is india has been not problem but it's a factor of fact for anywhere in the world everyone has been a paper first economy and the transition to digital means you are enabling people to make those decision in a much more optimal fashion so versus calling somebody send it here and he finds whatever route he knew now he can actually find the most optimum route the best cheapest vehicle possible can he do three runs in that same run versus one run in the past how can you optimize the time cost and money yeah Uh, and it it's a it's a it's a operations research problem that we all did right and it's it's most manifested in supply chain because as qualcom we are powering those location and we know that if you have the right data in place you can really solve for supply chain in many many ways yeah so even before digitization i guess the infrastructure cost in in the developed countries is around 7 6 7% age or 7 8 and f- for india it's around 14 or 15 right so how can we get there i think our biggest bottleneck is last mile i think people have solved for the middle mile and the first mile the last mile is where this guy is roaming around for 60 minutes and our pin codes are so pathetically done that we don't know how to find that even last mile your uber guy is calling how do i get there right because we are not really built in a very structured fashion so if people can solve for last mile there is so much optimization and efficiency which is possible is unbelievable okay but 14 to 7 uh, so that means like having better infrastructure better roads and faster uh, transportation modes right and if you can't build for faster better roads can you find at least the fastest way of doing it cheapest way of doing it yeah the cost reduction as well <laughs> otherwise yeah do you think tech alone can solve this or tech has solved it tech has solved it right so the costs have been coming down significantly for any delivery to reach your house versus in the past because now for example if a shadow fax is doing a delivery instead of doing one delivery per person it is now able to do five because while it's doing a delivery it gets five more orders on the way and it knows how to club it right same for any delivery company can i club better on the way it's like a milk run versus hubs you know yeah, spoke, spoke. spoke yeah in some yeah. sense Okay, now now let's talk about uh, Quain. Uh, I think it's uh, Qualcomm Women's Entrepreneurs India Network. So why did you guys start this? And uh, yeah, I like to know more about it. Sure, I think somewhere in the beginning you were asking, right? Have you done a startup? This is my startup within Qualcomm. So it's more a passion project, to be honest. Uh, I've been in the industry for ten plus years now, and I think it's common knowledge, but it's more and more sort of. in your in your face in deep tech startups the number of women entrepreneurs pitches that you see right and it has been uh, on the back of my mind that how do you solve for it uh, one way for sol- to solve for it is you fund every women entrepreneur that comes your way the other is to improve the funnel so that's where i started queen about two years back and queen is simply a platform for deep tech women entrepreneurs to change the trajectory of the startup over a course of 6 months and this was sort of done with the research with women entrepreneurs and we kept asking that why don't we see more of you you we see you large number of you at leadership position in large corporates but we don't see you stepping out like other male counterparts to start your own deep tech startup and this had three things uh, one is uh, of course uh, 
women want to know everything about everything before starting up no half big job so learning so we institutionalize this curriculum around their basic learning needs be it marketing be it sales be it funding could be product management be it hr the second was networking that i really don't know who do i call up say if i need help with a legal requirement i need help with an audit requirement i need help with digital marketing firm right i don't really have resources so build this close group of 14 15 women entrepreneurs who work with each other and sort of be each other's cheerleader and third was which i mean which you see across right and it's not very very specific to entrepreneurship is role models mentors trailblazers right somebody i can look up to like when if people ask me who was my role model while growing up in india probably there was one indra nuri who was a trailblazer right there were not enough large larger than life women figures that you could look up to say oh i could do this right so today at least there is far more plenty but really how can you get more mentors to become that trailblazer for others so what we did is we actually got qualcom leaders senior directors and vps and convince them to work with each of these startup for 6 month period so basically he becomes your de facto cheerleader and he or she helps you in your journey be it, and one is of course technical know how is qualcom we have technical know how but even if it's a small need right i need help with interviewing this person you can reach out to this mentor and say do you have some time to help me right because he has so he or she has so many years of experience so i think that's where the common knowledge comes in that if you have a mentor with years of experience who can really work with these women entrepreneurs over 6 months and be their cheerleader that really makes an incremental difference in their journey so we use these three principles and we build this this is the second cohort last cohort 14 of them graduated two of them got funded one of them got acquired this cohort again we are working with 12 of them and we hope to see some successes but this is one small step to see more and more women entrepreneurs take that plunge saying look i have someone who can help me think through this who can help me at least for a period of 6 months to become better at what i'm doing yeah 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 it doesn't matter gender anybody can be an entrepreneur like the only thing is that you need to be okay with all the the difficulties that come along with it and yeah it's because we had sachin tendulkar that now we have virat kohli and every other good cricketer for sure so, so what are some of the inequalities that you according to you that entrepreneurs face in india and as individuals and as society what can we do about it so i i would not say inequality something which i think people make a lot of noise is uh, there is lot of emphasis based on pedigree now the fact is that it's not to entrepreneurs alone even when you apply for job interviews everybody has to filter through Uh, now the best way to filter through is you have those 10 parameters and it's just easier to filter through so sometimes pedigree does come to help for some of the entrepreneurs to get easily selected in the second shift or second pool which will go through filtering so that is one inequality which people do talk about but i have also seen that now there is an increasing conversation in investor investor community that let's go look tier 2 tier 3 and find that talent right so i think people are conscious that sometimes their own inherent biases come in and which is why i think vcs also try and make this conscious effort of building an investment team which is people from different strata or different background so that people are able to bring that sort of pipeline versus just focus on the pedigreed pipeline so i think even vcs realize that but again i think it just makes filtering process easier so it feels like inequality but point is people are working towards fixing it yeah for sure i mean you can't really fault them Uh, like let's say if you're a hiring manager you're incentivized to close that position as soon as possible and then why would you want to take risk right there is no incentive to do that 
yeah so uh, one uh, question and, and I, like... i think that that is very the other analogy i wouldn't say it's a right analogy because as a fund think about as an investor right you end up seeing thousand companies a year and if in thousand at least you need to spend time on 100 now how do you make that call of who those hundred are right so you you also have to put some filters to make your job easier yeah for sure yeah i mean it's not a proper analogy to do venture capital for sure <laughs> as vcs you would want to go and find out figure out all the crazy ones yeah right. yeah do you see many pitches from northeast of india <laughs> pitches in the sense a, a pitches as in like do you see no not not much i think uh, most of the funding or the entrepreneurship is still towards more of bangalore mumbai delhi but now i'm seeing actually things emerge out of goa ahmedabad indore surat uh, jaipur so i think that's ghaziabad faridabad so that second equivalent layer is coming up i think north is i would still say still tier 3 there and we have not started seeing much come out of there yet okay and and i mean not i think north is still far flung we don't even see much from say kolkata bhubaneswar that belt at all yeah kolkata is one city where uh, there is not much tech entrepreneurship activity happening right all the other big cities have at least something going on and uh, what about gender uh, like uh, women founders and male founders like what is the split like so it's with any industry right it's how it's in the like why i was telling you like how it's in corporate ladder like how it's in vc vc community for example how many women yeah. vcs do you find right so i think yeah. that anomaly does exist it's a function of filter it's a function of funnel it's function of everything i found it much more stark in deep tech uh, which is why i started this but if you look at total women entrepreneurs you will find lot of women entrepreneurs pursuing education consumer tech causes close to their heart things they believe in it it's just much more starker in deep tech i would say why do you think venture capital should pay more attention to india as a market of like yeah of all the markets in the world there is no reason not to right if you look at the number of unicorns we churned this year uh, this is second time in a row we did more than china the amount of funding that india got and i think one of the biggest issue that people saw with markets emerging markets like india etc was liquidity can the market return capital but after flipkart and now with many many of more of them with lot of secondaries and ipos etc i think we have proven the world that right that liquidity is there we see investors are able to invest in the market and not even paper money they are able to return real money to their lps so i think that now that liquidity has been proven the market ipo market has been validated uh, there is no reason one one can ignore india i would say i mean and if you look at the interest rates in other geographies you it's, it's it's common sense to take money from those geographies and invest in india and make money out of here so but there are like recent ipos like paytm that has not returned pretty uh, it has not done pretty well i mean it's it's in short term but still so uh, do you think see a lot of more ipos like that as like a risk of like investor confidence in future i think the market is a good determinant of the kind of quality of companies that come in right i think even investors understand whether they are investing in overvalued or undervalued company but most people also play on the promise of future right so i think where they do see promise of future they do invest and they do give their vote of confidence there will be places where you may not see the market be as buoyant as the investors or the cap table or the valuation is but that's that's a reality of this business but those will be like far and few 
but in general if you look at how the market has been trending how much capital has been flowing the retail investors exuberance the institutional investors exuberance i think the ipo market is is good good for at least next 24 months for sure so this has been like a great conversation thank you so much for your time thank you rahul it was interesting also for me to think about what's happening in india and feel again more bullish about it <laughs> If you like this podcast please follow understanding vc wherever you're listening to this and also share it with folks who might be interested thank you